know, it's interesting that we should sing that song this morning because that's right in line with what we're going to talk about, which is the gospel and God's favor and how sometimes we forget about God's favor. You know, as Christians, there's many times where, you know, we understand, okay, we're going to go to heaven one day, but we forget what the gospel means to us today. We forget how the gospel applies in all our situations today. And I want to remind us of that. Because until we understand how the gospel is powerful to us, we'll never see the gospel powerful through us. And this world needs to see a church where the gospel is powerful through them. Because it needs to be powerful to them as well. Amen? So let me read this verse to you this morning that will be the foundation of what we're talking about. And it's a very familiar verse. It's out of Romans chapter 12. It's verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you. Father, for your word. We thank you for your truth. And today, Father, I pray for each and every person who is listening to this message, Father, that you would give all of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, of your ways, of your purposes, and Lord, how much you love us and how that was demonstrated in the gospel. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You can be seated. Yes. Christians, we know that the gospel is the foundation of the kingdom. And we love to preach the gospel to the world. We want the world to hear the gospel. We, want, we know that the gospel opens the door to the kingdom for the, for the people of the world. And it opened the door to the kingdom for us. But sometimes what happens is we think that the gospel is just our ticket to heaven. And that once, once we've accepted the gospel, once we've accepted that free gift of salvation, that we've moved beyond the gospel. But this morning, I want to propose that discipleship, spiritual formation, Christianity is not a growing away from the gospel. It's a growing deeper into the gospel. Because if the gospel is only about going to heaven one day, we're pretty much in trouble today. Because if you've watched the news anytime in the last five days, it's a mess out there. And we're in trouble. But the gospel is not just about tomorrow, it's about today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And that's not just salvation from hell. It's salvation from the power of sin, the power of temptation, the the salvation from our old nature. It's salvation from ourselves, from our selfish desires. It's salvation from all the schemes and plans of the enemy. And that applies today, not just tomorrow. As we rush 
towards the end of all things. There's no doubt we're in the end times. I mean, there's, I mean technically the end times began with the, the resurrection. And this, you know, we've been around here for a couple thousand years, but boy, are we closer than we've ever been, right? And that's technically and literally because things are getting worse by the minute. If we don't understand the power of the gospel today, what happens is we get into this mentality that there's no more hope. Or, you know what, we just need to hunker down and just wait for Jesus to come back. That's not the victorious kingdom that God is looking to build. Jesus didn't say, upon this rock I will build my church and they'll hide in a building until I return. He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in that metaphor, in the sense of the gates of hell, here's the thing. Gates don't attack people. People attack gates. God's intent for his church is to advance the kingdom of God here on earth before he returns so that every person can possibly hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are the church. It's not some 501c3. It's not some entity. It is the hope and the, the desire of Jesus that his church, you and I, attack, and I don't mean in the negative sense, I mean we go out with the kingdom and we advance the kingdom, break down the barriers that the enemy has set up in this world to show people what the true nature of God is, who Jesus is, and how the kingdom literally can transform their lives today, not just tomorrow. And the gates of hell, all those barriers that the enemy has set up in our culture on all the different levels have no authority to stop us. The only ones who can stop us are us. And this is where the gospel comes in. Paul says here in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what is that good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. Anybody want to know what God's will is? Okay? If you want to know what God's will is, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And being transformed by the renewing of your mind is the opposite of being conformed to this world. Right now, in the church... Here in the West, and especially in America, the church has become more a reflection of the world rather than a counter, um, what's the word I'm looking for, not just a countercultural to the world, but an alternative to the world. There are many, many studies out there right now Barna has done a million of them that show the church reflects the culture rather than provides an alternative to the culture. And if we're just the reflection of the culture, why in the world would people even consider Christianity? Why would people even respect the church? You know, we've seen, especially over these last, this last decade, 
especially here in this country, the respect for the church has just evaporated. You know, we, we, we want to blame the culture, but most of the blame lies with us. God has not taken his authority from the church. God has not taken his anointing from his people. If in the first century the church stood up against Rome, if the church stood up against Nero and survived and thrived and literally conquered the world in the sense of setting up an alternative to the culture, why are we not doing that today? Why is every survey out there showing that the church is in decline with one exception why is that it's not because the world is more powerful it's not because the enemy is more powerful we see this in the old testament the only reason israel was ever conquered by her enemies was not because her enemies were more powerful it was because israel had sinned against the lord that's the only reason. So if we find ourselves in a situation where the world seems to have more authority than us, is it possible that the problem isn't with the world, the problem is with our relationship with the Lord? Oftentimes, we, the ones who preach the gospel, don't believe the very thing we're preaching. And I'm not talking about salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the aspect of the nature of the gospel that transforms our lives. Not just transforms our destination when we go to heaven. We tell people that Jesus can literally change your life. That is not a metaphor, that is not exaggeration, that's not hyperbole, that is literally true. Your life can be radically transformed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about that. That is clearly communicated in the Bible, not just in word but in example. But how many of us today in our lives have areas that are not been transformed how many of us are still struggling in our lives now I'm not saying that the goal of Christianity is perfection because it's not but it is progress we should be further along today than we were yesterday and we should be doing something today to set ourselves up to be more along tomorrow than we are today Many of us have been Christians for a long time, 5, 10, 15, 20, however many years. Yet our lives are not different than maybe the two or three years since we came to know Christ. You know, we kind of repeated that third year over and over and over and over. We just haven't grown past that third year or second year, whatever it is. We've been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years, five years, but... In reality, we're only a one-year Christian. You know, it's like that old saying uh, about a resume. You know, somebody may have 10 years of experience, but the reality is they only have two. They just kept repeating that second year over and over again. 
Well, for a lot of Christians, we're repeating that second year over and over and over again. We're not moving forward. And those areas in our lives that are eating our lunch three, 10, 20 years ago are still eating our lunch today. That's not transformation. I would propose that the reason those areas are still eating our lunch is because we don't fully understand the gospel. Because the gospel is bigger than going to heaven one day. The gospel isn't just about changing our destination, it's about changing our life. And if we don't grasp that, if we don't understand that God can and will radically transform our lives, every area of our life, then we're not going to be able to preach that with power to this, this culture that is in so desperate need of hope. So what is it that is the will of God in regards to the gospel? Because that's what Paul says here in Romans 12, that you will know what is that good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. Well, that's a big question. And I'm going to look at a very narrow answer to this question today. I'm going to start with Ephesians 2.10. This message today, I'm focused on us, okay? I'm not going to talk about the folks outside the room as far as the world, that type of thing, okay? I want to, because we have to grasp this. We have got to understand what is God's will for our life and what is the gospel's role in God fulfilling his will in and through us. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Transformation in our lives is designed to, to prepare us for the good works that God has prepared in advance that we should walk in them. God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of us. One of the things we say here at Turning Point Church all the time is you are created on purpose for a purpose. Okay? God has a very specific purpose for your life. And part of his will is that you walk in that purpose. Whatever that purpose is. And we all have a different purpose. But collectively as a church, we have a purpose. And that is to storm the gates of hell. But in order to storm the gates of hell collectively, we have to be walking in our purpose individually. And that's where the problem lies is most of us are not walking in that purpose. And I'm not just talking about a specific ministry, whatever. Part of that purpose is walking in freedom. Is walking in victory over the areas of your life that are eating your lunch. Because until you're doing that, you can't walk in the fullness of the purpose in the kingdom. You know, when David went to face Goliath, he said to King Saul, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God. But without the victory over the bear and the lion, David would not be prepared for Goliath. The bear and the lion represent those private victories David had that set him up for the public one. The bears and the lions in our lives are these things that are eating our lunch. Those are our bears and our lions. And until we learn to allow God to deliver us 
from the bear and the lion, we can't face Goliath. And there's a lot of Goliaths out there right now that need to be brought down, and God wants to bring them down, and he wants to use the church to do it. But we've got to allow the Lord to deliver us from the bear and the lion first. That's part of the will of God. And this all comes back to an aspect of spiritual warfare. That's all this is, is spiritual warfare. Now, I know sometimes we think of spiritual warfare and, and, and we get this big thing about what it is and or what it isn't or we don't understand it. I want to bring spiritual warfare down to just a really simple understanding today, okay? Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Here's the thing about spiritual warfare. The problems you have in the natural are not the problems you have. The problems you have in the natural are the fruit of the problems you have in the spiritual. Every natural problem has a spiritual root. You can't fix natural problems without going after the spiritual root. And this is where spiritual warfare comes in. 99% of the root of all our natural problems are right here. They're between our two ears. This right here is the battleground for spiritual warfare. This is where we fight the principalities and powers, the enemies, the hosts of wickedness that lie to us. When we believe a lie, we are agreeing with the enemy that he is true and God is not. You never do something without first thinking about it. So the foundation of all our actions are thoughts. And if we don't overcome our thinking, we can't overcome our doing. The gospel is first about you becoming before it is you doing. Christianity is not a behavioral modification program. It is a life transformation process that begins right here. So I want you to think right now, just one area in your life that you struggle in. Just one area, whatever that is. Maybe it's in depression. Maybe it's in anger. Maybe it's in jealousy, fear, anxiety, insecurity, believing that, you know what, I'm just not good enough. You know what? We all believe that, actually. Every single person in this room right now believes to one degree or another, I'm not good enough. Now, that manifests in many different ways, that I'm not lovable, I, I don't deserve to feel good, I don't deserve good things to happen to me, God really doesn't love me, he loves other people, but he doesn't love me. You know, obviously he loves Pastor Jeff, and he can use Pastor Jeff for all this great stuff, but me? No way. Because I'm not good enough. The reason I'm not good enough is because I've done all these things, or all these things have been done to me. So we believe the lie that we're not good enough. 
and this battle in our head is where we're going to win or lose this war. So today, I want to take a few minutes and show you that what you believe in regards to I'm not good enough is a lie. Because that's what it is. It's no longer true. If you are in Jesus Christ, you have been made good enough. You have been made worthy. And I'm not just saying that. Let me prove it. For the word of God says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or she is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the unworthiness of God? No, the righteousness of God. Right now, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are whole, you are complete, you are righteous and worthy in his sight right now, not because of anything you have or haven't done, but because of what he has done and credited to your account, whole and complete, done. There is no reason right now for any of us who are in Christ to ever believe ever again that I'm not good enough. But yet we do. We believe it. Not only do we believe it, we act upon it. That is the foundational lie that we all believe that is the root of all our issues. One of the things God will do in our lives, he will meddle. Anybody have God meddle in their life before? You ever have a house guest come over? You know, when you're a guest in somebody's house or somebody comes to your house and they're a guest, they kind of stay in the guest areas, you know. They don't go through all the cabinets and rummage through the drawers in your, in your bedroom or whatever. Yeah, well, God does. God is a horrible house guest. You invite him into the house, he's everywhere. Even that locked closet that you don't even go in, he's in there trying to pick the lock. Now, he'll respect you and say, hey, I don't want to go in there. Okay. But he's not going to stop meddling because he knows what's in that closet. Whatever it is you think you are afraid of has absolutely no power. It has absolutely no power. The reason we're afraid of it is because we feel guilt, shame, or condemnation because of it. But Paul says in Romans 8.1, there is now therefore some condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. What? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know who uses condemnation? The enemy. The Lord uses conviction. Well, what's the difference? There's a big difference. And here's the difference. Condemnation will always drive you from the Lord. And anything that drives you from the Lord is not from the Lord. Let me give you an example. You know, when I, was in, when I was in high school, I remember being in a math class, and I just couldn't figure out this problem. 
No matter what formula I used, I just couldn't figure, and I just, I'm like, that's it, I'm done. I don't want to, I'm done with math, forget all this. Give me some Crayolas, I don't want any of this mess. Well, my teacher came over, and it, you know, this is back in the day, you didn't have calculators, you had to show your work, all that stuff. So, you know, I'm working through it, and I just couldn't figure it out, I couldn't get the right answer. And I, and I felt condemned, because everybody else around me is figuring it out, I'm like, boy, am I a loser. Well, the teacher comes up, leans over my shoulder, and walks me through the formula, walks me through, and showed me where I was. I went, oh, I forgot to carry the one. In that moment, what my teacher was doing was convicting me of my error. She did not condemn me over it. And when I... When I saw what I was doing wrong, I went, oh, that's what it was. I didn't, I didn't. All of a sudden, I was encouraged to do it right. That's conviction. When God convicts you of something in your life, he's not doing it to condemn you. He's doing it so it will get out of the way of you doing what you need to be doing right. But we still believe the old lie that we're under condemnation, we're under guilt, and we're under shame. And that is a lie. How do we overcome this lie? I'm gonna give you one strategy today on how to overcome this lie, actually two, but one you can take with you, and one we're gonna do right here. Here's the one you need to take with you. It's from Hebrews 4, verse 12. And this is the amplified version. I love this, part, this, this translation of Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God that speaks is alive and full of power. See, here's the thing about the word of God. It is not some, just some words on a page. It is alive and powerful. It's like spiritual medicine that you take. You know, when you take medicine for something... That pill is chemically alive, so to speak. You ingest it. It does in you what you cannot do in yourself. Well, the word of God is spiritually alive. And it gets in you and does in you what you cannot do in yourself. And as you read the word, as you listen to the word, as you take this word, ingest it, if you will, you are taking spiritual medicine. For the word of God that speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life and the, mortal, and the immortal spirit and of joints and marrow to the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Here's the thing about the Word of God. As we read the Word of God, it reads us. And it exposes the lies that we believe. And if we don't understand that in the gospel we are made whole and complete and righteous and no longer under condemnation, what happens is as God exposes those things, he opens the closet and there's all the junk we go, no, 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 close that door. I don't want any part of that because we're afraid of it because we believe the lie that if we open that closet, it will prove that we're not worthy. 
because we don't fully believe the gospel. But if we truly fully believe the gospel, it doesn't matter what's in the closet because it has no commentary on our worth. It has no power over our life. Jesus took that shame of whatever's in the closet and he nailed it to the cross. That's why you need to be in the word of God every single day. It is spiritual medicine for Christians. You know, when I go to the doctor and he's given me a prescription, and I go back and, you know, if I say, hey, this thing is still here, it's a cough or whatever it is, you know, one of the first things the doctor's going to ask is, are you taking your meds? Well, no, not really. Well, there's nothing I can do for you. Take your meds. You know, oftentimes we come to the, come to the altar or we come to a pastor and say, hey, I got all this going on in my life, but we're not taking our meds. You got to get on your meds. Because when you're off your meds, you kind of get crazy. Get back on your meds. You got to be in the Word. Because the Word of God, when it gets in you, it will get out of you what is in you, which is the lie that you're not good enough. So today, I want you to make a commitment to the Lord that you're going to be in the Word every day. It's not about perfection. If you miss a day, just make it up another day. Don't worry about it. Don't believe the lie. Oh, it wasn't perfect. It's just not going to work. Because that's what the enemy does. Because he knows how powerful the Word is. He's going to do everything he can to get you out of it. You know, I missed today, so I'm just a loser. There's no sense of me getting back in it. Or, you know, I don't understand all this stuff. I hear Pastor Jeff preach, and I mean, I don't get nothing out of it like that. Holy cow. Apparently, I'm not smart enough to read the word. I'll just listen to Pastor Jeff. It's not about being smart enough. It's about trusting that God's word will transform your life. That's all it is. Don't believe that lie. Get in the word. So make a commitment today that you're going to get in the word. And here's number two. And this, we're going to do this right now. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. Because I know every single one of us, to one degree or another, believes that lie that I'm not good enough. So today, I want to give us an opportunity to break the agreement with that lie and make a new agreement with the truth, which is we, we have been made worthy in the gospel. So would you stand with me? So as I've been speaking, there's no doubt in my mind that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you in one form or fashion or another. He's been revealing those things in the closet or the things that are eating your lunch, those things that you're afraid of, or the lie that you believe that you're just not good enough. If that's you today, if the Lord has really prompted you and you feel, man, okay, I know this is me. I know I need to, I need to let go of this lie. If that's you, I want you to come to the altar right now that's you, I want you to just come on down right now. If you're ready to let go of that lie, if you're ready to grab hold of the truth that you have been made worthy, come on down right now. You know, we call this church turning point. Well, that's because Jesus can be a turning point in your life. And it's not just one turning point. There can be many. 
here's what we're going to do. We're going to break the agreement with that lie that I'm not good enough. And then we're going to declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ over ourselves. We're going to take a minute and preach the gospel to ourselves. We love to preach it to everybody out there, but it's time we preach it to ourselves for a change. Okay? So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, first of all, I thank you, Father, for the work you're doing in the lives of these people. Lord, I thank you for the courage for them to respond to you. So right now, Father, I just pray in this moment for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. A revelation of the lie that they believe. And a revelation of the truth that you have already spoken over them. Lord, as we sang a few minutes ago, that your favor is already on them. That your face is turned towards them. You smile upon them. So Lord, in this moment, I pray for this transformation away from the lie towards the truth. So if today you want to get rid of that lie, I want you to repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I confess today that I have believed the lie that I am not good enough. But I also confess that any agreement made with a liar is invalid. So I break that agreement right now. In Jesus' name. I break that agreement. In Jesus' name. I break that agreement. In Jesus' name. And I choose right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to believe the truth that I have been made worthy through the power of the gospel. There is now no condemnation for me. I am free from guilt, from shame, and your face shines upon me. Your favor surrounds me. And today, Father, I commit to live my life in alignment with the gospel to fulfill the plans and purposes you have for my life and today I thank you for doing this in Jesus name and all God's people said come on give the Lord a hand this morning All right, let me expose one more lie of the enemy. Because as soon as we're done, you're going to walk out that door. Guess who's waiting for you on this side of the door? The enemy. Guess what he's going to say? Woo! Man, what a great service. That was awesome. Now let me return you to your regularly scheduled live already in progress. It was all great and fun, but you know, you're still a loser. believe that you just you better call them out because the battle is right here and the second you walk out that door the enemy is going to pull those arrows and start shooting them at you but you have authority in Jesus name to call him a liar and to stand on the truth amen all right y'all can go back to your seats thank you as we come to a close this is what the gospel is all about 
So when you have an opportunity to share with somebody who's struggling, I want you to share with them the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just a, a hope out there. It's a hope that's in here. It's a hope that you have personally experienced. Share that with them. Amen? Let's give the Lord one more hand today.